0: Three. It's Catch Color Camp is a high level of conversation. Um, today again we're not at Live Hip Hop Daily Studios. We're actually in Urban Grow Media Studios, which is my house for a special interview today. Um, I got a chance to speak with my man, Morris Kelly. Um, he's a legend out here in the in the San Francisco in the streets of San Francisco. Um, he's certainly a national name when it comes to one of the premier people in cannabis. And I get a chance to speak to him today about his background in cannabis, you know, starting his company SF Roots, transitioning from the um, legacy side of the market to the recreational side of the market, and also how the music scene in the Bay inspired him. So uh, without further ado, Morris, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, man, doing good, you know, just in the office knocking out the task of the day. And... Uh, you know, enjoying some good cannabis,
0: bro. I got a chance to hear it early, man. Yeah, you in the office early, giving out orders and getting getting business done, man. As a as a boss should. Um, but for those who don't know or uh, who aren't familiar with you, can you please just explain who you are and what you do?
1: Uh, for sure. My name's uh, Morris Kelly. I'm the CEO and founder of SF Roots. Um, we are San Francisco's first social equity brand. Um, I founded the company back in 2014 under Prop 215 and. Got through, and um, now that we're on this side, we are uh, heavily involved with the equity community. Um, just trying to make sure we can get as many uh, people of color, small business owners, involved in this cannabis movement, like they should have been in the first place.
0: Facts, man. Facts, man. Well, um, before we get into the whole business side of things, um, speak to me about how you first discovered the plant. Like, what was the first time that you discovered cannabis?
1: Oh man, I was. De- <laughs> I was. I was probably like sixth grade PE, and seeing, seeing all the older cats I knew, laughing and giggling, huddled around something. And of course, being a youngster, I had to go over there and see what they was doing. And uh, they wouldn't let me smoke with them, but they, they they gave me a little something to nibble on. And and after that you know, school, school wasn't so bad no more. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> I didn't mind sitting in class. So, so that was like my first real experience with cannabis. That's
0: what's up. So, so you came up with an edible first. Are you more of an edible person or, or a flower person?
1: Oh, I'm definitely a smoker. <laughs> sure. But uh, I mean, I, I definitely enjoy a good tincture now because You know, I can't be smoking 10 backwoods a day. So I try to uh, try to limit my intake and and offset it with like, you know, some good tincture, nice infused pre-roll.
0: Where where I gotta get high with you one day, man. Um, so we do know you, a little bit of your background is you started off on the legacy side of of, of the market, man. Um, and you now are trans. Well, you officially transitioned into the recreational side when you opened up um, SF Roots. Um, speak to us about the the transition from legacy to to recreational. And I guess what was the biggest, what was the biggest, um, what was the biggest um, issue with transition as far as going from one side to the other?
1: Um. So the transition, I think it first starts with the mindset. You know, I had to prepare myself mentally that things were going to be drastically different. You know, I wasn't going to be just making money every day and, um, you know, had to prepare myself, had to prepare my team. And once we were like mentally prepared to make the shift, we really just uh, pulled out of all the all the sessions and the events that we were using to build the brand and extensively focused on uh, retail sales and at this point or at that point in time you know prop 215 was still here so you know we had a little bit of jump we didn't have to deal with the regulations of prop 64 and that like that little time period really just gave us the time we needed to like go in and Meet, meet people meet these buyers before they were heavily inundated by like this Russia capital um but back to the transition you know it was just it was just really one of those one of those things that it was like you know at the time I was currently I I just caught a case or no I had already been fighting the case so yeah so when I I had I was fighting the case and it was like, you know, I was looking at football numbers and it was either one or two, two options. I could keep going the route that I was going, which, you know, was a steady path of jails, prison, drug programs, you know, or I could really, you know, take the long route and give it my all and really see a light at the end of the tunnel. And that transition of like, you know, taking myself out of the game and putting myself into business is kind of what kept me free because during that time I was fighting a case and it changed my mindset. And, you know, I fought the case for five years. So by the time, you know, I caught the cases, you know, still had one foot in the door, one foot out to the time, you know, the case was over and I'm standing before the judge and I have, you know, I have my business plan I'm in stores, I'm a qualified equity applicant, I'm, you know, part of the community, really trying to embedder things. And, you know, that was all through cannabis. <laughs> for lack of better, you know, it, it wasn't anything else that really made me want to change, except for wanting to be free and wanting to continue to work with the plant. Man. So.
0: What an amazing story, man. Uh, So how did SF Roots come about? Like, so I know um, starting with the name and just opening it and going into the business. Like, so when did the idea of SF Roots come about?
1: Um, So back when I had like one foot in the door, one foot out, I knew that, you know, okay, I gotta, I gotta have some type of business in case anything happens to me. So I I, I had delivery services, uh, legal delivery services under Prop 215. And um, when I got one that was, uh, up and running and, you know, we was up and running for a year. It looks like we was, we was really on the up and up. I was like, the next thing I could do is open up a cultivation. So I'm not outsourcing a lot of this product. So I partnered with a couple buddies and, uh, we got some cultivation set up and, um, you know, I was just kind of thinking ahead and was like, well, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be, if this is what I'm going to do, I got to make sure that I got a catchy name when this stuff goes hot. So <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I could, I could be San Francisco roots, you know, everybody, you know, we, we're, we're already breeding some of the best cannabis in the world. So it's, you know, no shame for me to represent my city. And yeah, so, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was born out of a need to provide quality, clean cannabis to medical patients. And um, it has developed into, you know, one of the leading social equity brands in California. Major man. Um,
0: speaking of being a social equity repre- re- recipient, um, speak to us about that opportunity and what that opportunity mean, meant to you at the time. Like, what would it mean when you were when you did get receive that chance to um to to open up a shop as a social equity recipient?
1: Um, for me, that meant that this crazy dream of being a cannabis operator was actually real. Prior to that, um, I had always either had like an old white guy be the front of my company, um, or had to partner with somebody else. And once the equity program came out, it gave me a legitimate path line to affordable licensing. And, you know, as a ex felon, entrepreneur who was currently fighting a trafficking case you know that's that's what I needed to to you know push myself forward was like you know hey you know we 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 recognize that you guys are out here and um there's some things we need to do to make sure you're a part of this industry so you know just just having that you know and then having that equity community it was uh it was definitely like that, that life, that life preserver that, that, you know, so many of us need when we're going through things. And, um, in San Francisco, you know, I was literally able to go to the office of cannabis and, you know, tell them everything that was going on with me. And they were able to, you know, for lack of better words, they was able to hold my hand and walk me through it. You know, I'm, going to see them before court cases, like, hey, man, here's what they got on the table. Like, (laughs) 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 like, just like, you know, I'd be in there when, you know, I was just having a rough day. So, you know, getting that type of support from the city was definitely um, welcoming and needed, at least for, you know, for me personally, because, I like I said, I was literally fighting for my life at that time.
0: Yeah, now now but but all social equity isn't equal. You know, from every every state and every place that has has tried to roll it out, there's been different issues and people have had different responses. Do you feel like social equity is doing this, is, the job it's supposed to do overall?
1: I think social equity is doing a good job for what it can do. Now, I think that there's a bigger problem with the people who are coming up with the social equity laws. Um, And that's like more of the conversation that needs to be had that you have people creating laws for demographic of people they know nothing about and also for an industry they know nothing about. So when you have those two things come together, like you know you can have somebody in an office put together a paper plan that sounds amazing but once it hits the streets there's no there's no way for it to actually make it work and there's a lot of that stuff going on so initially you know the thought of equity and like the big dream of like yeah we need to get these people in the industry that's like a beautiful thing but you know there are still levers that need to be pulled gatekeepers that need to get pushed out the way and voices that need to be heard that really push this movement forward and you know like personally being you know in business already kind of here it's like that's you know one of those things that we kind of have to make our mission because if we don't do it for each other nobody else is going to
0: San Francisco is your city. Um your name you even named your brand after it, San Francisco roots. But we're watching San Francisco like many other cities um across the country change into something that I guess most people who are who are rooted in those cities aren't used to seeing. Um what's it like for you to see the changes in San Francisco right now? And um do you feel like do you are you are you uh, for the changes or do you feel like you you want to take it back to to old San Francisco?
1: Um I mean that's like a trick question right who who doesn't want like the nostalgic of, yeah. of what they know and love right but at the same time you have to be a realist and realize that things change yeah. you know and it and it doesn't matter and it matters more about how you change with them right so for me personally it's like I know I can't stop none of this but what I can do is build a company that you know I can put in the position to hire. A strong economic workforce out of the city that can provide, um, you know, more than a more than a you know more than a little bit more than enough paying job to provide more security for the community. You know, I know that I can mentor other companies and other people of colors in my community and bring them up as, bring them up with me as best I know how. I know that you know I can help create the change that I want to see. But, you know, battling the tech industry, you know, doing this, doing that, you know, battling developers, that's not my fight. I <laughs> yeah. ain't got nothing, you know, it has something to do with me, but it—it it like, what do I, I'd look like boo-boo the fool, just running out here screaming at him, you know, yeah. instead of actually, you know what it is, a lot of times people want to help, but people don't necessarily know how to help properly, right? And you know, I guess, looking at things from the bottom up, you know, we've been able to identify some things that really are going to help the community, like just some of those things I mentioned, like, and that's kind of what we're focused on, right? It's like, how can we make impactful change, right? It's like, you know, we're dropping a new product uh, line out with the company. And, you know, one of the, one of the things we came up with, with working together was, you know, all right, if we're going to come out with this product, it has to impact the community. So what we came up with is we're donating a percentage of the product to provide a paid internship to an equity applicant that can now go to an extraction facility, top of the line, get paid to learn, and then once he's done with that, he or she is done with that internship, they can go apply for an eighty dollars to $100,000 job. Cool. You know, and, and that's what I mean by really helping, right? We couldn't just do uh, an apprenticeship program and not pay the guy because that's not helping. Yeah. That's not, you know, that's adding more stress, you know, because now they got to work. They got to go to this apprenticeship and they got to take care of everything else that goes on in their life, right? So I'm, I'm more based on coming up with real solutions to help real people and i think that's how we create the change that we really want to see is being as impactful to the people around us as we can which in turn you know they're they're just that impactful to the people around them and you know we create that next wave of economic wealth generational wealth and just just you know change 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 man <laughs>
0: word man you know when i think of san francisco especially um, from when i think about the the music the hip hop scene it gives me a a, a hustle feel. Like like when you think about rapping Fortes, when you think about um, JT the Bigger Figures and and, and acts like that, you think about getting to the money. Um, How did the music scene in in San Francisco inspire you as far as when you was coming up? Was that that like Hustler anthem music for you?
1: I mean, it all was. (laughs) (laughs) Man, like I still remember being in like middle school, you know, when Master P got out here And, you know, he's dropping seven albums a year. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? And we got them all not even realizing what's going on, right? So, and then, you know, we're listening to the music, man. I got it out there drunk, man. You know, and, and literally that's how artists operated out here. You know, we didn't have, you didn't see a lot of the artists, you didn't see really any artists from the Bay area with major record deals. Um, so growing up, you know, in that culture to where it's just like, what you mean, son, go out there and get it, make you a t-shirt, sell it, you know, press your own CD. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of just ingrained in the Bay that, you know, we just go out and get it. Yeah. So, you know, having that type of, uh, <laughs> that type of, I guess you say brainwashing, it definitely, uh Inspires you to realize that you know you don't necessarily need 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 to need to wait on somebody or a helping hand. You know you can you can start off with ten bucks, make twenty, make forty, make eighty, yeah. make one sixty, make three twenty. You know, go
0: <laughs> get it mentality, man. Yeah, that's what that do for you, man. You know, um, I mean, before we get out of here, I'd love to speak to you about um your how you are inspiring another generation. You know, there's a lot of brothers right now, brothers and sisters right now, who are working still on the legacy side. They're in states where they haven't legalized yet or haven't took taken those measures yet. But they aspire to be um such a, in a position such as yourself, having their own shop, having their own um uh, um, just having their own brand of that's official. Um, what what advice would you give to somebody like that who is listening right now who Literally aspires to be a you, like they want to be a Morris Kelly. Like, what, what kind of advice would you give them?
1: I'd say, don't quit. Yeah. Uh, I've been in cannabis for the better of fifteen plus years, so, like, I w- you can't, you can't expect nothing to happen overnight. And it's just like you know, it's just like raising kids. You, you you don't see how big they're growing when you're working on it, but then you take them to grandma's house and grandma's like, they done grew another three inches. You're like, this is the same little rug rat. And, you know, you just, you just, you just got to keep working, believe in yourself and your network is probably going to be your net worth. So the people that you can, you know, get around that are doing the things you want to do that are going the places you're, you want to go. That's the circle you need to be in, because that's that's you know, that's the boat you need to be in to get to where you want to go. So you want to keep 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 those type of people around you and make sure you're you're always working, yeah. you know, never stop working.
0: Morris, if somebody wanted to connect with you or somebody wanted to learn more about SF Roots, how can they do it?
1: Um, you can definitely join our email list at uh, www.sfroots.com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at sfrootsca.com and uh, man I just totally realized I never said what that product was we were dropping. We, <laughs> so we got we got a fog device uh, and it is a vaporizer that is a shaped like a zippo and it's super discreet keeps your, uh, keeps your cartridge your pods clean and um, we're, we're coming out with some amazing sauce flavors. So definitely check out the fog device. And, uh, you know, like I said, those proceeds are going so we can uh, start getting some internships and start getting some people from the community and some of these higher paying jobs and some of these uh, cannabis industry manufacturing positions.
0: Man, brother, you definitely an inspiration. Um the, you, you, you're, you're helping create a whole new generation of hustlers and, and entrepreneurs who are trying to move from this, from the from the legacy side to the legal side. So I definitely appreciate your participation in Cash Color Cannabis today, man.
1: Thank you for having me, man. Thank you. No
0: problem. Peace. Be, be easy. All right.